You're listening to Criterion Channel Surfing, a podcast dedicated to the films of the Criterion Collection streaming video service, the Criterion Channel. I'm your host, Josh Hornbeck. Each episode, my guests and I explore the month's new releases and expiring titles, as well as offering our recommendations from the Criterion Collection's back catalog of streaming-only titles. On this special bonus episode of Criterion Channel Surfing, I'm joined by Jonathan Miller, president of Icarus Films and director of the streaming service Ovid TV. Over his long career in cinema, Jonathan has worked to bring the films of Chantal Ackerman, Chris Marker, and Patricio Guzman, among many others, to audiences in the United States, and brings that passion for documentary, world cinema, and underrepresented voices to his work with Ovid TV. Stay with us. If you enjoy Criterion Channel Surfing, check out Criterion Reflections, hosted by David Blakesley. Join David and his guests on their chronological journey through the films of the Criterion Collection. Each episode provides an in-depth discussion into the cultural context for the films discussed and covers Criterion releases on DVD, Blu-ray, Laserdisc, and the Criterion Channel. Find out more at CriterionCast.com. Criterion Cast, a podcast network and website for fans of quality theatrical and home video releases. Find out more at CriterionCast.com. My guest today is Jonathan Miller. He's the president of Icarus Films and director of Ovid TV, a streaming platform that brings together some of the most exciting voices in world cinema and documentary films. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to talk with you about this really unique streaming service and some of the incredible offerings that you have and this unique place that you have staked out in the streaming landscape. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, well, it's my pleasure. Appreciate it. So tell me a little bit about Icarus Films and what got you started in this specialty market of world cinema and documentary filmmaking. Well, Icarus started at this point over 41 years ago, Mm. and I was always interested in documentaries and international cinema, international politics, and I went to film school at NYU and started out thinking I'd be a filmmaker and have produced a fair number of documentaries. But while I was still in college, I got my first job at a distribution company, and it just kept on going. Mm. Over the years, we've broadened out the variety of films and subject matter and styles that we work with, people we work with. We've always stayed focused on documentary films. We've always had a big international vision of what the films explore. Yeah, yeah. And so we've survived. That's really neat. When did you first come up with the idea of Ovid? Who was kind of at the table as you were coming to conceptualize what this streaming service would look like and who would be involved in that process? Right, right. The fact that it exists and that we took our conversations beyond just the theoretical stage to actually doing it is a result of objective changes in the market for alternative independent films, which was Mm -hmm. three or four years ago, our company and a lot of the other companies who we work with or almost all of the other companies who we're working with now in Ovid, there was a market for these films with streaming services. 
SVOD services who would pay license fees like a television channel would pay a license fee. And that was a fairly large share of the income for mm-hmm. a lot of these smaller films and smaller companies. Icarus Films may be less so than some other companies that were more dependent on that market. But as an example for Icarus, in 2016, we sold six films to Netflix. And in 2017, we sold one. And in 2018, we didn't sell any. And that sort of thing is across the board if you call any of these other smaller independent film distribution companies. They've experienced similar or worse trends in that area of the film business. So Icarus is involved in another company, in a company called DocuSeek, which is a partnership of Icarus and another small educational distribution company, Bullfrog Films, that does environmental films. And we created this other streaming service for colleges and universities called DocuSeek, and that we did six or eight years ago, and that's fairly successful. So I've often talked to the people who work on DocuSeek and the other companies involved with it that we should have a consumer-facing version mm. of it, because right now DocuSeek has about 1,700 films available, but as I said, only for colleges and universities. And then on the other hand, I was talking quite a bit last year with colleagues at other distribution companies in New York, the ones who eventually became the sort of founding supporters of the project, Grasshopper Film, Kim Stim, Distrib Films, First Run Features, Women Make Movies, Degenerate Films, which does independent Chinese film. So we were talking amongst ourselves at various points about the fact that everybody's business was suffering and the market was changing and we used to depend on DVD sales and that's fallen off. And then, as I said, there was the Netflix and SVOD type money. And so at a certain point, we just said, well, if there's going to be a market, if there's going to be some place for these films, then we have to do it ourselves. Hmm. And the other thing that was happening while these discussions were taking place second half of last year was that the two most important independent, other independent streaming services, Fandor and Filmstruck, both closed. Yeah. And we all did business with them as well. So not only did we lose the market with the bigger companies, we also lost the smaller market with the alternative companies. Out of that, they all said, yeah, let's do it. (laughs) So we did. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and as I look through the lineup and you know, when I first saw the announcement, the thing that caught my eye most of all was that you had Wang Bing's Dead Souls. <laughs> I caught it here in Seattle at the Northwest Film Forum, where it was playing right. for one weekend. I right. was able to see it in all its glory in one sitting, and mm. it was this amazing experience. Mm. And kept thinking, man, if I could buy a copy of it, I would love to have this in my library. But I know that it's financially just not feasible to release this film because yeah. the market for it is so minuscule. Right. But the fact that it's available on this streaming service to be able to watch again, I think, is such a gift and such a treasure. And, you know, so you have the Wang Bing films, but you also have the Chantal Ackerman films. You have the Marcel Olfels films. You have films by filmmakers that I haven't dug into yet, like Tracy Moffat. You have Mm -hmm. this really incredible stable of important filmmakers represented here that are not getting the distribution and maybe the recognition they deserve. I think this is such an incredible service for cinephiles who have started to really maybe They've embraced their Godards, they've embraced their Renoirs and Bergmans, and are looking to dig a little deeper. And I think this is definitely the next step. 
Well, one thing we're able to do because of our close connection with these distribution companies is for titles like Dead Souls that aren't feasible and they're not going to be released in sort of the commercial home video market. Yeah. We can put them up and make them available. And okay, not that many people have watched Dead Souls all the way through on Ovid (laughs) (laughs) yet, but some have. And Mm -hmm. if we look at it based on number of minutes of viewing time, it's actually up near the top. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) okay, they won't watch all nine hours, but they'll watch two hours or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's been very rewarding to be able to present a fair amount of his work and other people's, like you mentioned, like Tracy Moffat. I've known her work for 30 years or something, Mm. but they have very little distribution in the United States. What are some of the things that you have found most exciting about Ovid and being able to make some of these films accessible to people who maybe never had a chance to go see these in larger cities? Right. Part of what I've liked, maybe because I'm doing it, <laughs> and because I'm working with a fairly large and growing number of distribution companies, is I could try to make connections between films that are distributed by different companies. Mm-hmm. You know, so like Bill Morrison, Icarus always distributed many of his films, almost all of his films. Yeah. But his most recent and biggest film went with Kino Lorber. So we were not able to present his entire body of work on Ovid in the beginning. But now Kino Lorber agreed to put the film on Ovid, and we've done that, and we're now able to say and present all of his work. Mm-hmm. We can say, here's Bill Morrison's body of work. Yeah. And... I try and do that with other, like Patricia Guzman, we have all of his films except one. Or Mm. like Claire Denis, we don't have lots of her films, but we got one from each of two different companies, and so there are at least two of her films, Yeah, which are together on the site and were never very visible either. Yeah. And putting together the subjects or the styles of the films or, you know, the sort of curation and editing of the presentation of what the films are. Yeah. What has the curation process been like for you then? Are you finding some really fun ways to group things by theme? I notice a lot of director packages. Mm -hmm. It's been fun to see the It's the Economy Stupid Bundle and (laughs) the Don't Mourn Organize. Right. With your background in political documentaries and your interest in that, it's really fun to see some of that come through as well. Is there a real personal touch for you in the way that you curate and program the channel? Well, I'm trying. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I have a dance category, which I'm happy about. I mean, there's nothing Mm. personal about dance, except I like dance films. Yeah. But the headings that you talked about, you mentioned, yeah, we had a lot of fun with that. And if you have any ideas for others, we'll do them. We have one now called The Arts of Slow Cinema. And that was actually curated, not by us, but Woman Has a Website She's like an advocate for slow cinema, Mm. and she likes what we're doing. And we said, well, tell us a selection of the films that would fall under your rubric. And so she did that for us. Oh, that's neat. That's really neat. So if you have an idea, we'd be happy to try and take it on board. I mean, one of the things we want to do, and it's hard because we're so few people and don't have the resources really to manage a lot of back and forth, but part of our business model, if you will, is that we want to be more open and more transparent and more flexible than any other mm. SVO service has ever been. So we're doing that in relation to the distributors with sharing information, and we would love to be able to do that with our subscribers and members and critics and whoever else may get engaged with what we're trying to do. 
that sense of community, I think, can be really powerful, especially with film, because, you know, as I've talked with people on this podcast, Mm. we're all in different pockets of the U.S., and we all grew up loving film, but not having a lot of people to talk to. But Mm. the Internet has allowed us to find like-minded individuals, and I think that services like Ovid allow people to see that. Well, I actually think we won't survive unless that develops. I mean, I don't think that as a strictly commercial proposition on a commercial basis in a traditional way, we're going to make a profit distributing dead souls. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So, you know, it will survive if there are enough people who believe in it and like it and want to talk about it with their friends and watch Mm -hmm. the film and engage with them and want to see us succeed and it means something to them. And, you know, we have to become sort of an organic part of their culture verse or whatever. Yeah. And we have to be able to engage with it if we're going to survive for the long term. Yeah. Because there's nobody with deep pockets backing us. Yeah. Yeah. What are some highlights for you on the channel? What are some things on Ovid that you would really love for people to check out? Films that you think represent the best of what Ovid is offering? Well, the ones that I like may not be the ones that (laughs) most people will like if they check them out. But Personally, the ones I would be most rewarded if people engage with the films and appreciate them would be Chantal's films yeah, and Chris Marker's films yeah, and Patricio Guzman's films. Those are sort of my three, the three directors I've worked with who I most value having worked with them and mm-hmm. working with their films. I know there's a lot of love in the online communities that I've been a part of for Chantal Ackerman's work. Mm-hmm. And I love seeing so much of her late career work on Ovid. I think that it's just remarkable to see so much of it here. And all the Chris Marker stuff is really gorgeous to see here. So I would echo that people should definitely get onto Ovid and check those out. But at the same time, I'm also very happy that we're able to present and to elevate the profile of young, new, unknown filmmakers. Yeah. Like we have yeah. two films by a woman from Cameroon named Rosine Mbakam, who Richard Brody, the New Yorker, has written about very glowingly, and her films have played in a few art cinemas. We booked them in. Mm. And now her two films are on Ovid. And actually, if you go to the director's page, she's right next to Chris Marker. Well, that's fantastic. So there's a very young African woman, mm-hmm. and she's juxtaposed with a, well, He's passed away, old Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. European art film director. That mixture, that's really what I'm most into, what I think is most unique and potentially powerful about what we're doing. Yeah. And I think, too, we're in a time where the conversation about what voices have been left out of the conversation in Mm -hmm. cinema is so important to be having. And the fact that you have so many filmmakers of color, so many female filmmakers represented on the service, I think you are pushing that conversation forward here. And this is really exciting. And I love that you're highlighting new up-and-coming filmmakers right alongside acknowledged masters and putting them in the same canon. We talk a lot about pushing forward the canon, and I love that. That's a good point, yeah. This is really fantastic. I know people that are really trying to expand their knowledge, especially of African cinema, because African cinema is so underrepresented here in the United States. And so this is is great. Unfortunately, we don't have any African fiction feature films yet. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It's not for lack of interest. But yes, I think it's something we've been conscious of since the beginning. You yeah. asked about the curatorship, and you know we've been focused on the beginning from trying to do that and surface things that may be in companies' collections but aren't really as well-known as some of their other films and try mm-hmm. and move them forward a bit on Ovid. Yeah, yeah. What are some things that you're excited about moving forward with Ovid? Some films that might be coming to the service in the coming months? Some programming? Well, the biggest thing I'm working on at the moment is we're finalizing an agreement with the British Film Institute. And I'm hopeful that they're very slow. (laughs) They don't move as quickly as I do. But I'm hopeful that we'll have about 30 films from them that will come online in the spring, maybe March or April. They're almost all old films. There's quite an interesting selection and range of films that they'll be able to supply us with. That's neat. That will be the biggest project in the spring. Hmm. I'm also hopeful to bring, I'm expecting that we'll also have in the spring all the films of Marlon Riggs. Hmm. I don't know if you know who he was. I don't know Marlon Riggs. Tell me a little bit about Marlon Riggs. Well, he was a black gay filmmaker who made the film of his that got the highest profile because it was sort of an under attack when it was headed for PBS was called Tongues Untied about hmm. homosexuality in the black community. And this was at a time when that discussion was just beginning. So he made several films along those lines, and then he also made several films about sort of history of culture in relation to African Americans. So like his first film is Ethnic Notions, which is a critical history of minstrel shows. Mm. And then he made a film called Color Adjustment, which is a critical history of African American representation on American television from the beginning of television up through sort of post-Cosby days. Wow. He died maybe 10 years ago, but he was, in my book, one of the more important documentary filmmakers of our generation. Those sound really, really powerful and really, really exceptional. Yeah. Those all sound like really great projects, and I think it sounds like Ovid is getting some more really great content moving forward. And I'll just mention that another part of the business model and planning for in terms of I talked about the relationship to the community and openness. I don't know if you noticed this, but (laughs) but most streaming services, they license films for a particular period of time and then they disappear. Mm -hmm. Now, it's a very good marketing hook because it gets people to come back and watch the films before they go away. So that sort of puts us at a disadvantage in a sense. (laughs) (laughs) But our philosophy is that we're going to keep every film up as long as we can. Mm. So our collection has grown continuously since we started. And hopefully it'll keep growing continue next year. Well, and that to me makes the subscription so valuable because what you're paying for for that service is essentially access to an ever-growing library of films that you can continue to go back to. Right. One of my soft spots in film is that kind of long-form cinema where you sit down and you immerse yourself in a world for a long period of time. And being able to go back to something like Dead Souls and revisit these interview subjects who lived through some unimaginable horrors, it's not something I necessarily want to do every year. But that's something that I definitely want to do again, because again, it's not just the interview, but it's also the form and the technique that he's using. And now that I've sat through it, I know I want to appreciate what he's doing and how he's doing it. 
Yeah, and it'd be a pity if you watched the first half and then it was taken off the service because the license period ended. Exactly. <laughs> you might not be able to get through it all if it's a limited engagement, right? <laughs> so that won't happen. Yeah, you come back to it next year and watch the last hour. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and as I look at the incredible slate of artists that you have represented here, Again, looking at the Bill Morrison films and thinking, oh, yeah, I really want to dig into his work. I really want to dig into more of the Chris Marker films. My wife and I were looking at wanting to look at some Australian films and wanting to look at Tracy Moffat's work. And there's only so much time in a day. And so to know that these films are going to be there, it's a really great part of knowing that we have access to this library. So that's really good to know. Thank you so much for joining me today. Sure, appreciate it. I love the service and I love what you're doing. I think that what you do is really important for the film community. So thank you for talking with me about this. I think this is really great. I've enjoyed the discussion. Thank you. You can find out more about Ovid TV by visiting their website, ovid.tv. You can also find Ovid on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching for Ovid TV or following the links in our show notes. Ovid is offering a discount to listeners of this bonus episode of the Criterion Channel Surfing Podcast. Enter the code OVID at checkout to receive 25% off the first four months of Ovid. You can find Criterion Channel Surfing on our new home network, CriterionCasts.com, and our new website, CinemaCocktail.com. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching for Criterion Channel Surfing. If you'd like to continue the conversation, join us in the Criterion Channel Club Facebook group or send us a message at CriterionChannelSurfing at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Josh Hornbeck. Our logo was designed by Doug McCambridge of the Good Times Great Movies podcast. You can see more of his design work at dpmdesigns.com. Criterion Channel Surfing is now a proud member of Criterion Cast, a podcast network and website for fans of quality theatrical and home video releases. Find out more at CriterionCast.com and support the work of Criterion Cast at patreon.com slash CriterionCast. Criterion Channel Surfing is listener supported, so please consider donating to the show at patreon.com slash Josh Hornbeck. For just $5 a month, you get early access to all regular and bonus episodes of the show. And for $10 a month, you'll have the chance to give my guest and I a film to discuss in a special Patreon-only bonus episode. I'd really like to thank all of our generous Patreon supporters. Your support, your engagement, and all of your encouragement really means so much. We'll be back soon with our next main episode of the podcast, when my guest and I will sit down to discuss police stories, stories of crime and justice to kick off the new year. I hope you'll join us. Thanks for listening. Criterion Cast, a podcast network and website for fans of quality theatrical and home video releases. Find out more at CriterionCast.com.